Welcome to Reactive. Uh, I am Raquel Velez, and I am here with not one, but two co-hosts this week. Yes. Uh, I have both uh, both Henning. Hello. And Khalil. Hello. <laughs> the gig's all here. Do, 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 do. We're all here. Okay. <clears throat> Been a long time. Yeah. So I was I was not riding a snail, just so you know. No, no, no. <laughs> no that evil was, Henning. No, no, hold on, that was evil Henning yeah. riding in uh, on the evil right. snail because that was the snail that can take down a starfish. <laughs> Weren't you listening? <laughs> yes, I was. But I guess it was a week ago. So like I know you're not coming in on the snail. That's evil Henning. No, that's that'd be evil, so that's, slow. Yeah, that's the that's the Henning with the goatee. And uh, the black goatee <laughs> and uh, the darker hair. Ah, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that was that was fun listening to that. Um, you guys have good imagination. <laughs> I mean, look, this is what happens when you skip out on recording. Okay, so just you know, th- yeah. you know this. You I know do. This I is do. I'm not complaining. I was very amused. It was good. It was good. It was very good. Good. Excellent. I have to say. All right. Well, All right. how are things going? How's 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 life? How are things? Stuff, etc. I'm very good. Uh, slowing down a little bit uh, again, hopefully. And actually, they are um, getting sort of back to normal. I don't know. Well, I can't remember where we left off last, but basically, my boss went on vacation, and I took on a teeny tiny bit more work and responsibility mm-hmm. while he was gone so uh that's why i wasn't here <laughs> um totally understood. But, uh, to sort of balance that out i um i think i'm close to about a hundred views of uh the new disney movie moana oh um, okay my, my kids absolutely <laughs> love that movie and i have to say i do too and so hold on what's it um, called what's it called what's it's, it oh here here's the thing so it's in in the united states it's called moana and it's the new animated disney movie with that place sort of in the ancient South Pacific uh, where this mm-hmm. this girl Moana basically has to save the world and she does that with the help of a this demigod called uh, Maui but mm-hmm. the interesting part and maybe the reason you don't know what I'm talking about is because in parts of Europe it's actually called Vayana because Disney could not or did not want to use the name Moana because in the 90s there was a Italian porn star with that same name. No! <laughs> yeah, became very famous outside of that um, particular area of work because I think she went into Italian politics. And uh, so anyway, yeah, that was that whole big thing. So in, in Germany, Austria, I think Spain, France and all that, it's called Moana, uh, Vajana. Mm-hmm. And okay. we're actually watching it in German because I want to have my kids... Uh, you know, mm-hmm. stay up on the German. So that's why I started reading up on this because it's like, why is this called differently? And, and that makes no sense, you know? <laughs> but anyway, so the reason I'm, I'm talking about this in the first place is because, oh my gosh, the hair in this movie is amazing. I don't Isn't have either it? one of yeah. you seen it. I have. I, I saw it. Why yeah. Well, hair? because it's, it's computer animated, right? It's like, yeah, okay. sorry. Yeah. It's an animated. So it's a computer animated movie. It's completely, um, you know, obviously computer animated and <laughs> the, two, the two new things that or actually there's several but basically fluids animation the whole thing mm-hmm. plays basically almost entirely on water so it's in the ocean mm-hmm. there's a little boat two people on on the boat and it's in in the ocean there's um but the the thing that struck me and, and like at this point because we've watched it so often i'm completely past the point of paying attention to the story i'm just looking at the scenes and the details and every time you see this there's like something new and it blows me away because i did a little bit of static uh, modeling you know and then you know back in the day ray tracing and, Mm -hmm. and i know sort of conceptually what goes into something like this and the way the technology is evolving like the the animation tools and just the the physics engines that they are developing to to basically animate the ocean i mean it's mm-hmm. nuts and yeah. it, it's this beautiful mile you know end, endless water it's perfectly animated you cannot tell that it's not real there's you know people splashing in the water boats 
you know, going through waves and stuff like that. And then the hair, there's, um, you know, it's the South Pacific. They have curly, dark hair. It is insane. It is re- It looks completely real. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh, they're basically, you know, have this this blowing in the wind and then falling into the water, it being wet. And it's just, um, it's remarkable how they are able to do that now. And then there's this other thing that, that every time I see this scene, there's basically this lava monster. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, you know, humanoid figure out of lava, that, which is, you know, I don't know how many, you know, a few hundred meters tall. But it's, it's basically a fluid, it's like lava. It's not completely liquid, but it's not solid. And you know how when lava runs down the mountain and sort of becomes crusty on the outside and, and gets dark or black and then it cracks open and you see the red, you know, of the of the molten lava in there. Mm-hmm. That's how the whole the whole character is. And it's completely changing all the time. So as it moves, parts of it become dark and flake off and fall into the water and you see the steam and um, it's it's just it's really nuts. So what what they did here is basically on uh, on the front of sort of distributed computing because they had to um, you know come up with new ways to compute these massive models in, mm-hmm. in near real time for the animators to see what's going on. It's basically they came up with a whole bunch of uh, new systems um, and and they basically did this with distributed computing using multiple machines to to animate this stuff. Um, sort of on the fly, I guess. Unfortunately, I couldn't find a lot of, like, really technical stuff. And, and I guess in most cases, people really, you know, aren't that interested in it because it's such a, a nerdy thing, I guess. But the, <laughs> just the physics and math involved in this, when I see this, this lava monster with, like, flames coming out of its head and the billowing smoke, and this was all, you know, generated in 3D, animated, <laughs> and, um, you know rendered and light lit and all that is just it's mind-boggling <laughs> so lit. no it's super <laughs> it's super super cool it's amazing. i mean i think I, I think henning one of the reasons why you might not find a lot of information about it is because it is also proprietary yes, like yes, they course. don't want like their competitors to to figure all that stuff out though you will notice that there's a lot of similarities between disney and pixar because pixar is now owned by disney um exactly yep so, so there's that. It's, just go to github.com slash disney slash yeah no i don't i don't think so uh, but um but yeah no it's super super hard and what what I really love though is so this is this is kind of like a weird way of thinking about it, but like I have super curly hair, right? I've got like super curly brown hair. Um and, and my entire life watching Disney movies, there was never anyone who yep. looked like me in the Disney movies. And so seeing Moana, like I have personal opinions about the story and and the the um uh, um, the music and everything like that. But for the first time, I was like, oh, that's me! <laughs> <laughs> because cool. it just, it just, it really, really felt like, <clears throat> like, like the way her hair just kind of like sticks out. That's totally what, what my hair does without any product in it. Like, it's, it's pretty entertaining. Um, yeah. And, and the fact that she's just so cool and, and such a heroine and like, it's, it's pretty great. Oh, and the other thing I just want to say is like normally in Disney movies, they are always the the the, the main characters are orphans. I don't know why this yes. is, but if you think through the stories, like every time they're either already dead or they get killed somehow during the story. Yeah. And this time that's not the case. Finally, it always bothered me. It's like okay, the grandmother dies. Spoiler alert! But it's of natural yeah. causes, and right, they they she still comes sort of back and as a. Yeah, you know, you'll see. But um, it's like, why did they do that? So anyway, that's gone in this this movie finally. It's <laughs> an interesting it's true. It's observation. Like at least, yeah. yeah, yeah. At least one parent is usually gone. Yeah, or <laughs> both. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, so uh, it's funny. Hmm. Anyway, funny. so yeah, that's what I've been uh, looking at a lot and thinking about how how people are working on this and how cool it must be. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Totally. The amount of computing power required is just ridiculous. I have it on my my bucket list. 
ahem, dear listeners, if any of you know anybody who works at Pixar and can give me a tour, oh, please. Can I come can... too, please? <laughs> I know. I really, really, really want to like go around, walk around Pixar. I mean, it's it's in Emeryville and I live in the Bay Area, so it's not actually that far for me. Just, just, just let me in the gates, okay? Just let me in the gates. Let me like wander around like a weird giddy schoolgirl, just being like, <laughs> yeah. yeah let's, let's yeah i think happen. i yep, yeah that would be totally awesome i think i guess one of the reasons this is so to me so awesome is like there's such an amazing technology aspect to this but then also art right yes like these these people animating the characters telling a story and um it's just it's really really cool so mm-hmm. i enjoy mm-hmm. that kind of stuff Yay. So what else is happening? Anybody? I don't. Well, okay. So I have taken an extensive Twitter break and it has been amazing. Huh. I've just really, really been enjoying not being on Twitter for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I still respond to like at mentions and DMs and stuff. Like I'll, I'll check in like twice a day just to see if anybody's said anything about me or tried to ping me. But otherwise, I'm like, like, nope. And it's only on my computer. It's not on my phone. I removed Twitter and Facebook from, from my phone. And it's just, oh, it's nice. You huh. can breathe. Nice. I can. Mm-hmm. I can breathe and focus on, like, other things. And, like, and now, like, I've done a long enough detox that I come back to Twitter every once in a while. And I'm like, what is even here? <laughs> Yeah. One thing I did notice is they must have changed the notification algorithm because I'm getting like bazillions of notifications, but there's actually nothing there when I go in. It's yeah. nothing useful. It's like, yeah, this person yeah. clicked on this image or something. I'm like, I don't care. Just- <laughs> I turn that off on Facebook. Yeah, because like every time that. I go to Facebook, it's how? Like I honestly like I've gone through all of the notification things to be like, get like stop stop notifying me about somebody who like commented on their own photo. I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me at all. Leave me alone. Um, but huh. anyway. Although, ooh, I did uh so last weekend I went to my ten year college reunion. Um oh, wow. I uh I got my degree uh in mechanical engineering from Caltech. So I was down in Pasadena and it was such a surreal experience, right? Like, I don't know if, if either, I don't know if reunions are a thing outside of the U.S. Is yeah, that? But yeah. But they're not, they're, I don't think they're in the same kind of, um, like, regulate, not not regulated, but it's, it just, you know, people have to really make it happen. And it's usually, okay, we mm-hmm. go to, like, a restaurant or something, you know. I okay. I think here's more, it's more organized, thing. isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like here, like the alumni association puts on this whole shebang basically to be like, hi, remember this wonderful institution that you got all of your education from? Give us your money. Give us your money. Give us your money. Um, I gave them no money. Uh, but anyway, what <laughs> um, was really so so like there were a lot of interesting things that happened. Um, but like, you know, besides the part where you're like, oh, my God person I haven't seen in 10 years how are you and you know it's a very strange surreal experience because they haven't they don't look different at all and you're just mm-hmm. like oh my god I haven't seen you in literally 10 years um but besides that part um the second day of the reunion uh, at least at Caltech they, they do this whole thing called seminar day where uh like current professors and grad students will do like a 45 minute talk on what they're currently researching and stuff like that. Um, and so like, I learned about how flies fly. So like, like how they, like how flies move their wings and you can't see me because it's a podcast, but like, it's not the flappy up down thing. It's instead like a move. Like if, if you, if you stick your arms out, okay, I'm going to try to describe this because podcast, all right, stick your arms out like a T shape with your palms down and then move your arms forward like like you're like you're like you're going from a T to like pointing in front of you and then turn your your uh your palms up and then come back. So it's kind of like when like, you're treading water. Kind of like, except kind except of? like 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 your your palms are moving up like 
up and down, back and forth. And like the idea there is that like you create this, like what, what they do um, and how, how many birds do the same thing. Um, they create a vortex with their, with the forward swoop. And then that vortex, they then with their uh, backwards swoop, like they, they get on top of that vortex and that's how they like stay afloat because for the longest time people were like, there's no way that like insects can fly. Like it's just impossible. There, there's just too much like, like where's the lift? Where's the drag? Like basic aerodynamics just never made any sense to scientists until like the last 10 years when they finally figured out how fruit flies fly. Um, and I learned this interesting fun fact uh, about the fruit fly. It's that um, they poop while in flight in oh, the air. Nice. That's yeah. Delightful. Yeah. Somebody, somebody <laughs> got a slow motion, like, you know, video of a, a fruit fly pooping in midair. And I was like, I did not need to know this information. <laughs> now I'm going to be freaking out because I never really thought about fruit flies as pooping. I don't think about insects pooping. As far as I'm oh, concerned, they, they just do, don't. They do some nasty business, especially I like don't if need you have to know. Light, light floors or white oh. furniture. Ooh, those black little spots that don't come off. Ah! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> because I don't need to know. Um, so that was really, really fascinating. Um, and, and, and I saw a couple of other fascinating talks, one particularly about um, neuroeconomics and how uh, humans make decisions based on the things that they see. So like, it's, it's not just economics in terms of like money and, and things like that. Um, and it's not just like neurology where you're, or like neuroscience where you're thinking about how signals get processed through the brain, but it's combining the two things of like, like external decision-making and the, the like electronic signals that are happening in your brain. And like, so like, if you think about, apples versus oranges if you have to like decide what you're going to eat apple versus orange is actually not that interesting of a decision because it comes down to well which one do you like better no big deal but then the the decision making process behind an apple versus a piece of cake is far more interesting because now you have to like weigh all sorts of things like well which one's the healthy one which one tastes better uh which one has been marketed to me more recently like all sorts of like there's a fascinating interdisciplinary sort of thing between neuroscience and economics and they call it neuroeconomics um so i thought that was really cool and and then the last thing is that there was a, a keynote about the history of uh, or how like satellites like the <clears throat> the history of 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 um of developing the telescope has influenced the history of developing the microscope, which was pretty fascinating. Um, but before that, they gave distinguished alumni awards to uh, two people, one of whom is, um, her name is uh, Regina Dugan, and she was in charge of DARPA for a while, and now she works at Facebook as a director of engineering, or a VP of engineering, and basically, she's working with the team that's, like, figuring out how to hear sound through your skin and, like, <laughs> like how to, like, like think think a, a post that you want to post on Facebook and then have Facebook post it for you so you can think words uh, that are – and I'm like, no, no. Yeah, this is like, wrong. <laughs> Dr. Dugan, you're amazing. I appreciate everything you have – accomplished and i think it's cool that you like like worked your way up from uh degree in mechanical engineering all the way to being in charge of darpa which is the uh de defense and research projects agency or something like that um yeah it's, it's an american government but didn't google buy them uh no no, no. part of DARPA them or something yeah I think I think some of the the companies that have spun off of DARPA related projects have yeah. been bought by Google. Robotic um, stuff. Yeah, exactly. But DARPA itself, I mean, the internet came from DARPA uh, or ARPANET is what it used to be called. Um, yep. And anyway, but 
let's talk about this whole like like thinking a Facebook status message thing because that is just I am not okay with this. <laughs> Well, I guess they're trying to apply that to a very specific thing in, in their realm of interest, right? Um, but, you know, if you take it out of that, it's actually kind of kind of cool. It has all kinds of neat applications. But, yeah, well, I guess if they, if they, you know, if they want to spend the money on that and develop it, then maybe others can make use of it in other places. <laughs> I'm certainly not going to think of Facebook posts. Mm. Uh, Just going to Marge well, Simpson over here. Isn't, it, isn't Facebook like a government organization as well? You know? <laughs> I, mean, like, I mean, it might as well be. They, right? they like, feed, they're feeding the CIA with their stuff, so uh, apparently. Um, yeah, but no wonder you're, um, you have to pay a lot of money. That's quite a reunion. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking about, yeah, we got, uh, yeah. We're, we're made at the restaurant at the corner at uh, six o'clock. Whoever wants to come, we'll have a beer. And then like three people show up. <laughs> yeah. Yo. <laughs> like I yeah. never went to mine, never. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's actually my husband who's like, oh my God, it's your reunion year. We have to go. And oh I'm my like, God. Well, so is this I what, mean, like every five? Like every five years or every ten years. I mean, they do many? this every year, right? For whoever, but like, like anybody can go, like as long as you're an alum. Um, but I try to only go. Like I've been to the five year and the ten year, and like they try to make it a little bit bigger of a deal if it's like a multiple of five, um, yeah. and even more so a multiple of ten. Um, though it is really entertaining walking around and seeing people who are at their fifth reunion, and you're just like. Oh my goodness, you're in your 70s and you're like wandering around. And like, like I'm finding like this whole how flies fly thing just mind boggling. And you're probably just like, just completely, this is out of this world. Like, what is going on? Because so much has changed in science over the last 50 years. Hmm. So I don't know. I'm just amazed. Interesting. So it's not just, yeah, I guess the whole concept of the way the schools work anyway. Because for me, it mm. was like, you know, I started engineering school with 36 people. I think we ended mm. with 22. And the reunion is those people, not anyone else. You know, oh, you're interesting. Talk, like, you're talking the whole school, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, like years, like, and, and yeah, yeah, it, yeah. I was also thinking it's just the class. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, I think. I don't know. Like I'm thinking of of the the quintessential film Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, um, and I don't know. Like I think on TV they try to make it look like it's only one year, but uh, and and maybe they do do that for like the larger schools. I've only ever gone to smaller institutions for both high school and and university, but um, like. Caltech has 900 undergrads and 1,100 grad students. So for any given year, you'll get like maybe 300 people graduate like total. So to get even like 10% of them to show up is is a pretty good deal, but 10% is 30 people. So it's a lot easier to just, you know, chunk up a whole bunch. Like I would say probably there were like five to 600 people uh, on campus for for like their reunion. Um, so it's not that many people by comparison. Whereas if you consider, you know, the larger universities of like 15,000 people. Um, yeah, I don't know. They want my money. And <laughs> I, 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 I still, I still live in the Bay area, so I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the Bay area is eating your money. <laughs> <laughs> These the this yeah, is the well, price I pay. Other, in, in other areas, you just make less. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, it it seems like, of course, uh, you know, uh, the schools, universities here are not privatized, so they're not really like organizing mm -hmm. that stuff to get your money. Uh, after that, right. it's, it's more like some some classes or, organize themselves to meet up. Every year, exactly, or, yeah, or something like that. Yeah, it has nothing to do with a school, really. Yeah. <sighs> Reasonably priced education. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> let's. Oh yeah, that's not. in your future. Yeah. 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 Oh. Well, my wife and I, we went both through school here, and yeah, yeah. that's still a a big uh, big lump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Just send your kids back to Germany for for university. It'll be That's fine. Right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess. That. Do that. Yeah. All the all the German Disney cheaper. movies will totally pay off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting. Actually, uh, a friend of mine. He is uh, he's um, German. He, he lives here. He's a neighbor, basically almost. And uh, his his daughter is now three, and they started to watch movies, have movie night and stuff, and. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so he wants he speaks good he speaks English really well and he wants his daughter to learn English as well so n- n- so um, apparently no movie there's no German movies it's so weird all the movies are in English apparently mm-hmm. huh. <laughs> no that's what he, what he tells her Oh, oh, oh! Oh boy! You can watch a movie, but yeah, I was supposed to say when she finds out, she's gonna be furious. But also thank him. I mean, it is—it's very useful. It's very useful. It's amazing what what kids pick up with that. You know, I can already see how you know they're starting to sing the songs in German and. Yeah. And and it's it's sticking. It's it's really interesting. I find well, it, so what I find it amazing. Have... Whenever I was in a country where they would not show dubbed movies, which is like mm-hmm. in Poland or in in Holland or in, like in smaller countries, they don't have yeah. like it doesn't make sense for them to dub the movies. It's not financially viable or something like that. Mm. The, 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 the everybody speaks English like like a native speaker yeah. almost. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, so what we're doing in order to be able to do this, we have two, we have a German iTunes account and a, and a US. And I think I, I probably mentioned this before, but what Apple's doing now, which is really sort of ticks me off. So the German rules are different. Um, you can download it once. At least that's how it was last time. And that's it. And after that, you have to actually call up Apple and get like special permission to get it again. Not only that, if you, yeah, if you switch, so so what you have to do, you start up iTunes on your on your Mac and or PC, I guess, and you you can you can download the movies that you buy, and then you can switch the store, right? So you would switch it from the German to the to the um, to the American, and if if I if I download a movie in the German store, I can't download one from the American store for sixty days or ninety days. They're putting what? in these restrictions. Yeah, it's annoying as heck. Ugh, these, uh, so it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's terrible. So I almost have to, I don't know, I guess I have two systems. One is the German, one is the English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't understand why they can't make this simpler. I, I guess they don't have a big user base. It's, it's a money thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a, um, like a, they don't, I, I, yeah, it's all money. Yeah, money, money, money. And, <clears throat> yeah. yeah, gross. Cool. How are you doing? Great. Totally cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally uh, cool. <clears throat> I I just drank a beer. Oh. <laughs> so that this is the, this is the this is the um the good thing about. Uh, time, my time zone is that I can drink beer. <laughs> I mean, I could drink beer too. The only problem is, you See, know, there's a problem with me. There's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's, 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 I don't know. When I lived in Germany, people, people, well, yeah, when I lived in Germany, people had beer for lunch. Yeah, it's like water here. Fine. Anyway, it yeah. comes out of taps. It's cheaper than water. It's, yeah, it's true. Sometimes <laughs> cheaper than Coke. Um, <laughs> no, uh, but I, but it, it looks like I'm going to be in. Uh, I'm going to be a pre-actor. Nice. Pre-act in some movies. 
What? Uh, no, I'm <laughs> just just kidding. Uh, no, but I'm um, so so because of JSConf, I got um, I got um, interested in port, porting my my tiny draft application to Preact because um, <laughs> I like the talk that I saw there uh, by the Preact author, and um, I'm still I'm, I, 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 it was very interesting. The, the in the beginning of the talk, he says that. Um, he has was it ADHD or something like something like that, and uh, mm -hmm. he's the most productive when he's hyper focused on something, and 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 that explains for me why he's able to do stuff like preact and like like uh, snarkdom, which is which is a markdown parser that is like one kilobyte of size. <clears throat> like it's a markdown parser that's uh, that's one that has a size of one kilobyte, which is basically just one line, li one like ten kilometer long re regex, and then like a few functions that that deal with the tokens that fall out of that, or something like that, <laughs> and then create the HTML. This is like, and it works. Like I used it in in my tiny drafting, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, so, so that kind of explains it for for me, like why he is able to do that, because it seems like almost superhuman. And uh, so, yeah. So I've been. I so oh, a Preact CLI was just announced. Um, I think Adios Mani had a part in this, and it's a um, it's a it's a command line interface for for Preact apps, and it's opt and it's uh, and, th and there those apps that you that you can scaffold with that are automatically uh, progressive web apps, so Service Worker is kind of is on by default, or, uh, and what it does is. Um, for the routes that you are <clears throat> that you that you have in that app, it it will chunk make chunks. So basically, split out that JavaScript and load it lazily. Um, so like it's like highly optimized for <clears throat> for 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 mobile applications and for um, yeah, just progressive web apps. So this is that's really cool. Um, it makes it really easy to start with Preact. Um, because when you scaffold a thing, you have different options. You can scaffold a full app, uh, default app, uh, 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 completely empty app, stuff like that. So there's different uh, different templates that you can uh, use to scaffold your application. And if you just use the default one, then you have a little um, route uh, already, like you have um, a little bit of code in there already that you can just um, take in and see how this 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 whole thing works <clears throat> and just start building your application so i i started porting my uh tiny draft application to preact and it's it's really nice because i mean it's i'm not i'm not super far yet i'm not you know like i'm in like in the middle of it but you can already already see the impact in the size um that it will have like the the tiny draft right now was like it's like 250 uh kilo, kilobytes uh gzipped and everything um, because Angular just comes with a lot of baggage, and there's um, the Angular CLI does not optimize it and tree shake it and all that stuff yet. And um, <clears throat> well, it doesn't, it's not baggage, but it's a lot of functionality that you don't necessarily need. And with Preact, it's so it's like a 17 kilobyte or something like that, or 20 kilobyte or something like that. So that's. So Where really are all awesome. these CLIs with with their tree shaking um, efforts? I heard about that a while back, but w like, how how far along are they, and how well does that work? Do you know? Um, how uh, so? So, it's a that's a good question. So, um, <clears throat> there I don't know of any CLIs actually um, having it built in yet. I mean, the Preact CLI, I'm sure, has it must have something like that built in maybe I, I, I don't know but um, as far as I know um, Ember CLI they started to use rollup so if they are using it in a way that where 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 tree shaking is kind of the default then it, it should work fine because rollup is the is the bundler bundler that does tree shaking right and um Angular CLI, they they were talking about um, introducing tree shaking in the next version of Angular. So that's Angular 5 
and that will be at the end of the year at some point, like uh, in fall or something like that. And um, <clears throat> uh, and it was actually um, Tom Dale. He he uh, gave a good talk at JSConf EU about that. So he was basically saying that all the framework CLIs, so the framework framework um, frameworks are becoming compilers that um, that will basically um, compile into an optimized optimized version of the application that you've been writing and he, he is and he, he said that you know like ember and glimmer js they're doing it with ember cli or they will be doing it not sure angular has the opportunity to do it with a closure because there is a project that allows you to take angular typescript code and then optimize it for the closure compiler and then the closure compiler can go ahead and optimize everything and um and then the react can use rollup i think i don't remember but but so the, his point was basically that all these uh, frameworks can use different um, compilers and technologies to optimize, um, to to really really optimize the JavaScript code that falls out. And maybe it also needs to be different different um, versions of that optimized JavaScript for different types of devices, right? So you would serve something, um, some something different to um, a low-end mobile phone than you would serve for a desktop application. And um, that th we are just at the beginning of this, and this, this is kind of where everything is moving towards. So we're not <clears throat> at that stage yet where they're all doing that flawlessly, but it it's becomes very clear that that's where we have to move towards because it's so much work to add it on top of that. So, so the... Currently, what what most of them are doing is, uh, or the, the, typically, what the CLI would be doing is like sc scaffold an application for you, and then you would write the application, and then it would create a production build, and the production build would be minified JavaScript, basically untree shaked, and that's it. And um, but there's now so with with those pro pro uh, projects like uh, Lighthouse, I think it's called, where you can analyze your application and see. You know um, how good it would do for for low-end mobile applications, and it, it checks like a, there's a huge checklist that goes through and to to see if it's optimized for mobile devices, um, its property if it's properly optimized, and there's so much you can analyze and you know and see like um, there's different metrics that you would that that you can check like what is the first like how long does it take in order to be able to interact with the application and how long does it take on a low-end device and stuff like that. There are so many things that you need to think about depending on what you're targeting. And um, if you want to be maximally successful with the application, it's really important to at least target like uh, an, an, a, 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 um, like yeah, some sort of a low-end device or some median of that. And... Um, um, yeah, and and basically the argument was that like the CLIs should just take care of that for you because it's just it's it's insane how much work it is and how much right how you many can't things. you can't expect a developer to or developers to optimize for all these different platforms so you just bake it in I guess is the idea yeah the thing is you can right it's just a lot of work <clears> to <throat> bake it in as well as well as it's yeah. a lot of work to do it by hand basically but it's also a lot of work to make it in but that's where it's there that's where it's going towards because it has to because and also because it's possible i think you know yeah. you can you can definitely automate automate that and um it's an interesting yeah, development I, yeah you know i got a question about that your comment earlier about the the um the person that was most productive when he was hyper focused. Did did you talk to him a bit about that in depth? It's because the reason I'm asking no. is I've heard people say that, you know, that are have have, you know, issues like that. It's like they're most productive when they're actually getting tired or they're slightly tired, so their mind slows down. <laughs> they can't otherwise they can't they can't focus. Yeah. You know, so they work best like at two or three in the morning when they're 
not going two million miles an hour in their head. Hmm. Oh, wow. um, no, no, I, I haven't talked to him personally. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tweeting him every now and then when I have, ah, when I have okay, questions okay. about preact and stuff. Gotcha. But he, I thought he, you met him at the conference. Well, no, he mentioned it. He mentioned it at the beginning of his talk. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I know about that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. but i think that's just sort of an argument of um going back to what tom dale said is that you know it's really hard to solve these problems so it's maybe better or makes more sense to solve them sort of at the framework or in in this case it's almost like you were saying sounds like things are turning into compilers yeah have some highly you know x some high or experts working on this problem to solve it totally Um, And you, you can't expect don't, it from, you can't expect everyone from every to be able to front do this developer. No, you just can't. Yeah. It's yeah. like it really takes a lot of uh, passion, and it takes a lot of. Also, um, Ben Schwartz was also talking about uh, a similar subject uh, at JSConf. His talk is also online uh, to watch, and he founded a company a company called Caliber App, and uh, so this is an application that also helps you helps you to to audit application and to see if it's uh, as performant as it should be and and it helps you to to optimize it and he also does a lot of this um, he does a lot of auditing work himself like he gets paid for that and um, he he made he basically created this job for himself where he can do this work you know for other people but also you know in, in inside of this caliber app that he's building um, and he was me- he was saying in the beginning of his talk that there is just so many projects where where this this uh, performance aspect is is not being worked on as much as it should be because it's too hard and it takes too much time and it takes too much yeah. like people need to move on people need to you know <laughs> clients and cl- clients or, or or companies they don't really they don't really value it enough although performance is even though they should because performance is such a huge factor in the user experience the more performant you are the better uh, the user experience is for the user and uh, the better the, uh, more engagement you get the more engagement yeah. you get and um, yeah so so um, and kind of th- th- that's kind of his, his thinking apparently that's how I got that's how I understood it. His, his thinking about that's how that's why he made himself Uh, this job where he only focuses on that so he wants he's basically taking he's doing the work that the others can't do you know and that's also kind of an expression of how difficult it is in in a real world project to really optimize an application to where it should be and and the Mm -hmm. tools that we're building um, they should be as much as possible supporting that and I think there's going to be a lot of work is going to go into that uh, this year for sure in all the different Uh, frameworks because everybody needs mm-hmm. to now compete with things like preact <laughs> and uh, so this this caliper app company is he's he sort of is that an actual product he's making or mm-hmm. is he selling or is he like offering consulting services to you know come in and help people um i think it's like both performance I think okay. it's both. I think he's. It sounded like, at least, um, like he was doing consulting, where he is uh, doing that sp- specific type of consulting. Uh, but Caliber app is definitely an application that you pay for. No, okay. you can. Yeah, you can try it for free, and then you, there's some pricing stuff. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, thinking and a lot of work going into this area right now. But this is. I th- I think this is um, this is really awesome. I think that that, that actually every um, web application should be a progressive web app, meaning it should be offline capable. It should be um, as small as possible. It should it should be optimized for for the. Uh, for the user experience, uh, when it comes to performance, it should be should be as quick as possible to load so that the user can interact with it. It should be yeah. So the th- the thing is with, th- with that that part where the application has to um, 
the, the optimiz optimization steps that you need to take in order to uh, load it quicker and get it to a state where the user can interact with it <coughs> means that you have to split out CSS code, you have to split out JavaScript code. At least with big applications, it means that, right? It's like you you don't want to load the all of the JavaScript. You don't want to load all of the CSS. You want to load the first, you know, view in the HTML. And, and, and to do that, there's now tools that help you to do that automatically. Um, because, for instance, uh, React in combination with different uh, CSS in JavaScript um, helpers or um, libraries help you to, to generate uh, basically the first paint or the, the, the first view of the application with your CSS in line in the HTML or, or split out in a separate file so that you absolutely load only the minimum that you need in order for the user to, to interact with your application. So this is one of the things that is that is like really difficult in the traditional way of writing web applications, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, and but but there is now a lot of uh, you know tools that that go into that direction that can help you to do that. Uh, but yeah, you really have to think about it and you have to use those tools. And um, I've totally lost. The train of my thought. <laughs> I don't know where I wanted to go with this. Anyway, uh, yeah. So there's this is like a lot of that stuff happening, and um, uh, yeah, and it's just exciting. I think this is really cool. I think that that I, 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 yeah. So my point was, I think every application should be a progressive web app and should actually work like that on the web. You know what I mean? Like that. Mm -hmm. That's actually because because it's it's actually so. If we want the the web to become better and to to grow and also to be competitive with native applications and stuff like that, it needs to have this kind of feel, like this instant feel, and it has to also be. It absolutely has to be offline capable. You have to be able to a website that you go go to on a regular um, should be also accessible on the train when you don't have internet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It's it is interesting. I'm looking at this uh, Caliber app um, website and it looks pretty slick. Um, a lot of these kinds of tools popping up now. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, totally, absolutely. And it and it was it was such a common theme at JSConf as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, instrument it's... your app to figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Age old. Oh goodness. Yeah, I mean, I'm constantly running into the the like kind of what what Ben was talking about with regards to um, I'm doing this so that or like he's doing it so because other teams can't right like they just don't yeah. have the time and like mm -hmm. our teams definitely are having that that trouble right now because there's like so much that we want to do and so much we want to accomplish mm -hmm. and it's just like when on earth are we going to do this? <laughs> we are just, yeah. we're just so bogged down with, with stuff. Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But so, so for me, I'm also, I'm, I feel the same way. Like I, I'm trying to do stuff on, you know, I'm just playing around with stuff on the side and I'm super happy for Preact CLI to come out because it gives me the opportunity to build something that is super optimized right from you know, from the start as a default application is as the, you know, is as optimized as it can be at this point in time. And, uh, and that's, I just like, I'm really excited for, for these type of tools and, um, and uh, yeah. And, and, and I think this is just going to be become really commonplace. And uh, as, as long as you can start a green field application, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you will be able to benefit from that. <laughs> but of course, if you're like, if you just uh, if you have to migrate something like an old legacy thing, then it's it's going to be a yeah a fun time to <laughs> profit from that for a while. Yeah, No, I think you're right. I mean, these kinds of things have to happen in order to get that um, 
the, the the native feel and that's what people are more and more expecting i mean i see it with my myself i get i get impatient very fast if something doesn't work <laughs> yeah <laughs> i also realize and it's it's one of those things like you're, you're right you know it's like you're just happy you get the features out and then you have to be an expert on or you have to have experts on performance to basically you know refactor and optimize after the fact or or i guess not after the fact but as yeah, part the thing of is the like after the process. fact it was never is never going to be as good as if yeah. you do it if you bake yeah. it in from the beginning right even also the offline features and stuff like that like you have yeah. to you have to basically design with it in mind it's a whole different exactly. world yeah yeah so you have to expand your team with with the experts because i don't i mean do you think that there's can you be so knowledgeable in all these areas? Because there's so many different things in front end now. I mean, no, just, I, think I don't think it's possible. No. I, I think it's just like Ben said, you know, like if you are in a real world setting and you're writing a real world application, it's, it's currently, uh, or in the traditional way, how we did it so far, it's not going to be, it's not realistic for the team to actually go all the way with the optimization. I think if you mm -hmm. if you start with something like Preact CLI from the beginning and it's not 100% as optimized as you want it to be and now you just have to go in and tweak things, that's a whole different story. Then, you know, mm -hmm. this can be done easily. Or if you're somebody like, you know, Airbnb and you've been working on it for 10 years and now you take five developers and they just work on the performance to improve the performance or something like that, you know? It's also, sure. This also this is also possible, but 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 like, yeah, but you know, some a team that has to like crank out a project and crank out features, like, yeah. But yeah, I think that Ben is right. I think uh, not Ben. Tom is right. I think that our world is moving towards tooling that will take all that. Um, that work um, off of our hands and we can concentrate mm -hmm. on features. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it has, it has to, it's really makes important. sense. Yeah. yeah. Too much stuff. Eat too many things. <laughs> yeah. And in, yeah. in, in that way, I would just like to mention this article that I read today. It's um, called mm, a unified styling language. And it's on Medium, and it's just basically a, a roundup of um, CSS in JavaScript um, libraries slash technologies. And it's a really, really good article. And it also mentions, in the end, it kind of goes to the... To the um, it mentions this, the, this kind of... Uh, option that you have when you use some of these libraries where you pre-render your application right with react it's pretty easy apparently nowadays to pre-render the application on the server so that when the user visits your page for the first time you get just static html and then a javascript comes and the cs the rest of the css comes and then it you know it gets interactive and um uh, yeah. So what the, what what these kind of libraries can do is like also extract only the CSS that you need for that first page, so that you have a minimized set of uh, data coming over the wire for the first you know initial um, experience. And I didn't know anything about that. I thought that was super interesting. I this this was not a, a benefit. Of so it's CSS tree shaking <laughs> or no. dynamic. No, well, it's not tree shaking because the rest of the CSS is still needed, right? But it's just yeah. But I mean, like you just, said, for the first load, it's yeah, like for the first it figures load, out yeah. what's necessary for the yeah. first load. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's crazy. This is this is the pattern that that you know, like people like Adios Mani uh, have been talking about that you know, like you should minimize your CSS to just a little bit that you need to see, you know, the first page or even just the first above the fold, even you know, sometimes uh, I think and. Um, and it's just not, it's not viable for a normal yeah. team to do that, right? But if you use, if you write it, if your app is written with React and, um, and you do, um, you do the, the whole server-side rendering or use server-side rendering of React 
in combination with one of those libraries, then it will, the first page will actually have like, it can, it can, some of these, these uh, libraries have features where it just, it just does that for you. It just takes that little bit of CSS that you need for the first page and it puts it into the uh, HTML uh, for the first page. And then, um, yeah, and some of those, um, uh, the, 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 the author of the article, he works at the, com I think the company is called Seek. Um, and uh, so he said that they, they, are writing, they are writing a React app. And the React application can work completely without uh, JavaScript because um, they're, they're doing the server-side rendering part of it as well. So if JavaScript doesn't work, it will just you know, make a request to the server and then render the, the whatever state of the app you, you need on the server and uh, send it back. Uh, basically, like Ember, uh, what is it called? Boot, boot up or boot something that does fast the same boot. Thing. Fast boot. That that's right. Yeah. So that was something that I learned from this article, <clears throat> and there was the. And I also thought that I that I've heard of all the different CSS and JS things already, but uh, it turns out I didn't. So that was <laughs> also a revelation <laughs> for me. Um, yes. Very interesting. There's a lot of stuff going on in that area, uh, and. Um, and it's um, yeah, it's actually also some of it is also um, so. Uh, one thing that I have in our uh, subjects list for for the podcast is uh, a library. Since a while already, is a library called um, what's it called? Pure pure f polished. It's called polished, and polished is basically something like a like. Um, like just a just a set of mixins, like CSS mixins, but it's all in in written in JavaScript or it's in, in JavaScript objects basically, and then you can use, you know, um, you can use like ES6 features to to combine these things with your CSS in JS in your modules and stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. So everything is just happening in JavaScript. I don't know where nice. this is. Are, are you guys exploring the using stuff like this already, or is that just something you're researching and, and reading about on your own? Uh, just I just see it every. I just see it everywhere. We're mm -hmm. using it. We were using Angular, so Angular doesn't do CSS and JS in that kind of sense. They mm -hmm. do it. So for Angular, you write actual CSS. And uh, but you 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 write like Shadow DOM. You can use Shadow DOM CSS, and it will then simulate a Shadow DOM. So basically, scope CSS just for your component. And, okay. Um, but it's it's just uh, CSS. It's also very nice to use that. Um, but as far as I know, it doesn't do any of this kind of optimized uh, pre-rendering thing where it slices out the CSS you just need for the first render. Um, but maybe, but I also did not really look into uh, Angular Universal right now. I'm not, I'm not sure in what kind of state they are. Okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah, all of that's going on. <clears throat> Cool. <laughs> are we already at the end of our show? Yeah, I think so. We yeah. are. <laughs> Just, that was quick. So much. So <laughs> much <Yes>. stuff. <laughs> Good insights. Yay. Yeah, I gotta I gotta zip out of here really quickly. Gotta go get the kiddos. It's late in the day. Yeah. Wow. Oh boy. <laughs> All right. Well, um, do we have any new people? Um Clue if you want to look that up. Um, okay. But basically, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can get our show notes at reactive.audio and uh, come hang out with us in our Slack channel. You can find a link to that also in the show notes at reactive.audio. Before. Yeah, and okay. if you like the show, um, we would really appreciate it if you could leave us a review or rate us on iTunes. Instructions for that or a link to that is in the show notes as well. And I'm H. Gladdergots on Twitter, and I'll catch you next week. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, yes. We'll see. Uh, and I'm uh, I'm Rockbot on Twitter, and you probably I probably won't be there next week because I'm going to Oslo. Um, oh, but oh, if you're at well, Web Rebels. Right. Come hang out with me. Um, I will have some cool stickers. Um, so, yes. Excellent. Very cool. And I am um, I'm, uh, Khalil Tweets on Twitter. And 
Did we already say that we're a reactive pod on Twitter? I don't know. Not yet, but now we just did. No, we just did. Yeah, so I think that Squillis91 is a new new member of our Slack chat. Hey, hey. Welcome. Welcome. And that's about it. All right. All right, till next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.